0: Welcome to The Sound of the Hound. Series 2. The podcast about the early days of recorded sound. In it, we talk about the recording pioneers and artists who created the modern music industry over a 100 years ago. We look at the sometimes ridiculous lengths they went to to capture sound and the technology they used in order to do it. We come from the point of view of spirited amateurs. Yes, we're very much armchair enthusiasts. And we play a little scratchy music along the way. This podcast comes to you with the support of the EMI Archive Trust, the Music and Technology Archive. This is The Sound of the Hound. Welcome to The Sound of the Hound. I'm James Hall. I'm Dave Holly. And in this week's episode, we're going to be talking about not only a wonderful singer, but a story of friendship, a sort of decades long saga that uh, features our, Fred, uh, our friend Fred Geisberg and the singer...
1: Who is um, Fyodor, not with a f, with not a f, sir. Fyodor Ivanovich Chalyopan.
0: Now, Chalyopan and Geisberg had a decades-long, very moving... Um, it was a bit it, of a bromance. It was a bromance. I
1: said to my son this morning, we're talking, it's not a love story, it's a bruv story. Very good. Sorry, that's terrible. He told me to...
0: Uh, well, I won't tell you what he told me, but
1: yes. Um, but it is, they are, they are really, really good friends, and it's a poignant story It's as a well. poignant
0: story, and it kind of also takes in the, the grand sweep of, of world history from, from the turn of the last century to, to, to the middle of it. It's re- it, really is, it really is lovely. We've
1: got revolutions in Russia, and we've got... Um, revolutions on record. And, dr- yeah, and drinking in um, speakeasies in New York. and Escaping the Soviet, well, w- w- was communist Russia...
0: The outbreak of war. The outbreak of World War One, Bumping into celebs. Slebs. Slebs all over the place. Um, and what is also interesting is the chemistry, is the physical chemistry. Fred, five foot two. Yeah. Chalipan, uh, is Six foot
1: three. He um, was massive. Huge. They, they were the same age, actually, they're both born in 1873. They actually meet in 1900, so they meet when they're both 27, and... Um, Interestingly, they've got other connections before they meet. Chaliapin was born into a peasant family in Tartarstan, and that's interesting for two things. One, yeah, yeah. the Soviet Union, the Soviet communist, uh, so pre-communist Russia, pre-revolutionary Russia, they had an official class called peasants, and he was of that official class. Very, 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 very poor. A bit like we've talked about. Emma Calvé came from a yeah. poor background, and in, even back in the the great Enrico Caruso came from a very working class background. And they all tend towards the diva, (laughs) and they like flash clothes, and they're very good with money. All three of them when they have it, when they have it, and they yeah, they
0: get it and they lose it. Charlie Pan was very um, sort of touchy and thin-skinned for 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 a man who was six foot three and a massive kind of carouser, and and uh, he, he was volatile, wasn't he?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it probably comes with the 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 creative um, temperament and it probably also is a way of keeping people at a distance. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. the other interesting thing about him is that he was born in Tartarstan. Now, do you remember Tartarstan? We do. We did well. Actually, this is
0: where Fred, with a with a broken heart, um, decided to venture uh, into the 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 heart of the of the Volga, wasn't it? This, uh, yeah, this was
1: his. 1901 trip This was 1901,
0: to series one, this was by us. And it was, um. It was a lady he, called Dolly that he was. She dumped him by letter, he, obviously. For a South African for a, for a, military man. For a South African. And rather than go home, he decided to mend his broken heart by going into the dark heart of up, Russia. Up the, what's the river? The Volga. Up the Volga. Up the Volga into Tartar. And, into Tartar, and recorded what he described as sort of, um, one of the worst sounds he's ever heard.
1: Yeah, catawalling. The, them, catawalling
0: the, the people with dreads, yeah. oily dreadlocks in, in airless huts. Um, very,
1: unsophisticated very unsophisticated to French sort of eyes. A,
0: a circular throat singing, wasn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, that was started. Now, Charlie was an opera singer. He didn't do that. No, but he st- he, that was his
1: background. Very poor. He, uh, In fact, I've got a quote here from Conrad Osborne, who's a music journalist and author. He'd been born a peasant, brackets an official identity, um, in a settlement of small wooden houses outside Kazan where he had some elementary schooling to which he paid faint attention. Apprenticed first to a cobbler and then a woodturner and beaten mercilessly by both, then taken into a clerical firm of his father, who was a payday drunk, who also beat son and wife. Payday drunk. He lived a childhood surrounded by poverty, fevery and violence. Now, this was the saviour, though. He did happen into the local church choir, thereby discovering the pleasure and solace of singing, acquiring the beginnings of musical literacy. And, in fact, it looks like... Not only has he got a very good voice, he then really falls in love with the theatre, the, the, particularly the music elements of the theatre, and leaves... Well, he has very scant schooling, we've just heard, and very quickly is, is swept up into, what do they call it, grease paint, and um, the, the, the smell of the grease paint he's, yes, he's yes. attached by that. The swish of the curtain, The swish of the curtains, the smell yeah, of the, grease the, the, the bright spotlights. Um, and he goes up and he sings, from his mid-teens, he's singing opera in these sort of provincial musical theatre company, singing the odd aria, singing popular songs as well. He's always a fan of popular songs all the way through his life and folk songs, and he's part of a theatre company. And it all goes swimmingly well, cash in hand, drinks everything that he earns until it hits Tiflis um, after several years later, where the whole company's in of that time dissolves, um, leaving the young Chaliapan unemployed and, as as um, Osborne says, malnourished, and beset by extremely dark thoughts. Oh dear. But as often happens, the darkest, they said the darkest light is just before the dawn. And Tiflis was where a recently retired tenor um, who'd sang for the Moscow Bolshoi, Mr. Usatov, had set up his teaching practice on the verge of leaving town. This is all from Osborne. Chaliapan presented himself at Usatov's doorstep and sang for him. So mm-hmm. he did, he did an audition across the doorstep and Usatov Took him on, I think, for free. Right. He Probably had. Uh, came with Calve. The teacher taught her for free. Then was paid at the Took back end, the, yeah, yeah, which happens makes, a lot these sense. days with people developing artists. And for a year or so, teaches him and pushes him on the way. And 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 really, by the end of the nineteenth century. He's a big deal. He's a big deal in Russia. Yeah.
0: So, Dave, how did Fred meet Chaliopan?
1: God, I'm doing the nerd bits today, aren't I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so well, interestingly enough, Alan Kelly, who um, is probably one of the preeminent experts, or was one of the preeminent experts on cataloguing all of the recordings of the Gramophone Company, or certainly huge tranches of it, places the first encounter of anyone from the Gramophone Company with Chaliopan to 1899. Okay. And that is William Sinclair Darby. If you remember, he... Sinclair Darby. if you go back to our episodes on, I think it's on Russia again in in, in the Series 1, he had originally been employed by the German gramophone company, yes, Deutsche had, Gramophone, yes. who were only meant to be making the records, not recording any records. But the guy who ran it, Joe Berliner, cousin of Emil Berliner, who invented the gramophone, saw an opening and hired an American recording engineer, William Sinclair Darby. Sent him into Germany, in particular Russia, which was already a big market for gramophones right. to do some recordings. And then when the English gramophone company found out about it, it was a huge hoo-ha. Sinclair Derby was pulled back from that and set to work with Fred on recordings. But while he was in Russia, according to Alan Kelly, he recorded. He recorded. Chalyapan. Bizarre. But he said, this is an extract from Kelly's uh, writing on a website called russian.records.com Darby like most young men was more interested this is this is looking at re- re- this is an account of reading Darby's diary Darby, like most young men, was more interested in such things as the baked Alaska parade on the ship over. Baked na- Alaska
0: parade? I'm guessing this one, that? it's, you know, you've got a lot of days to fill in. It's like bake
1: Yeah, let's make a baked Alaska and I don't know. <laughs>
0: Brilliant. I'd love, it. I'd love, i love to see a baked, baked yeah. Alaska parade.
1: And naturally in girls. Obviously he's interested in girls. And his diary occasionally shows this as when he talks interestedly about being stuck in a train in a snowdrift. While on his way to make Shaliapan's first records in Moscow, but recording the man makes no gets no mention in the diary. What happened
0: in a snowdrift?
1: He, he's chatting a girl up in a snowdrift. Oh, I see. So God, this is yeah. all he's talking about. Bait Alaska on the way on the boat and girls chatting and girls, <laughs> girls, and then there's this particular girl on the train. But he makes a reference to the fact that he was on his way to record Shalyapin in 1899. Okay,
0: okay, but it's it's in 1900 when Fred and Sink, to go back to St Petersburg. That's right. Yeah, that. They kind of stumble across them again. Yeah. And there's this lovely... Well, they see him on stage, they? see him they? on stage. They see him on stage. So they've gone to the opera house in St. Petersburg to look for people to record. Fred and Sinclair, 1900. Um, and this is Fred's account of what they saw. There were soloists and chorus with very good voice and strong voices. The choruses were badly trained, though. Orchestra was very much out of tune. The frequent and stubborn applause given the soloist by the audience was very annoying and interfered with the pleasure of an auditor. This is a great fault of the Russian audience. They spoil their artists, make pets of them. Indeed, indeed we found them for this reason hard to approach. They expect presence of diamonds and jewellery. However, he goes on to say that the star of the performance was an enormous young bass called Fyodor Shalyapin.
1: Yeah, and then they tried to record him. He, he mentions in his, I think this is from his memoirs later, so Fred, you've always got to bear in mind... He's writing after he the fact. He, he writes his diaries at the time, which were often patchy, and the memoirs a bit more fulsome, hmm. but maybe a little bit remembered through misty glasses. Um, we opened negotiations to record Chalyapan, but at that time he was still dizzy with success and would not respond to our humble offers.
0: Haughty Shaliapan. Haughty Chalyapan. But the following year they go back yeah. uh, to Russia and, and Rafov, the agent, Raffoff who's appeared in this podcast like a Sort of bad smell, hasn't he? Yeah, he's a, bit of a rogue, popping up. Rough, rough um, he's still saying that they need to get Pam Yeah. So in June 1901, Fred attempts to get him again. Fails. But they wait in vain. Yeah, is the quote. And, um, and
1: late, they go back again in late 1901 and fails again. No, sorry, no, it's March they go and, and fail. June they June fail they spectacularly. They fail. Yeah. And then they actually succeed in. This is there's a bit of a mystery about this. They succeed if you if you. As we, as we often do, look at the, um, recording information, um, in the EMI Archive Trust. We can see that Chalypan was recorded in January to February in Moscow. Um, 1902, this. 1902. But we know Fred is in America until late January 1902. And the rest of his year is very, very full. He go, in February, he goes off to, um, what will become the Italian trip to record Caruso. Yeah. So there isn't. There are probably a few days where he might have been able to dash to to Russia, but we can find no evidence in his diaries. And you can
0: just dash anywhere in those days, no, particularly over it's, you know over ten days to, to Russia. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So I wonder if somebody else has gone, mm. and it might have been Sinclair Derby again.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and again, five years later, Chaliapan is recorded in St Petersburg. But again, Fred is, Fred is in Milan. <laughs> Fred is <in> at <laughs> that Milan. point.
0: But then, but, but this is odd because so is Chalipan in Milan in 1907. Later, later. 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 And that's ah. when
1: we can absolutely confirm that Fred and Chalipan are in the same room with some recording equipment and he makes some records.
0: <laughs> so Fred, we're going to hear, what does this man sound like? You yeah. wonder that we're rabbiting on about. We'll hear him in a second, but Fred's in Milan because that's where the talent is, 1907. And Chalipan becomes something of a, a sort of guinea pig, doesn't he, to Fred. He's appearing in... Um, Fred says he, he frequently comes to our recording studios, and I carried out for him a series of experiments in voice placing and tone colour. So voice placing, I imagine, is where you stand relative, relative to, the the wh- music, to the horn yeah, and the horn. music. Um, principally, in those falsetto effects, um, of which he later became so fond. In those days of exuberant youth, he fascinated us all with his charm and good nature. But but the reason Chalipan was in Milan, he was a appearing in La Scala to do uh, eight or ten performances of sorry, Mes- Mephistopheles, sorry, Mephistophele, excuse me, Yes, um, with Toscanini conducting. And he was then in an opera called Boris, which was quite a dense opera, I think, wasn't it, Dave? Um, I believe so. I believe, <laughs> I believe I, I've so. never actually uh, um, watched
1: or listened to it. Definitely. And
0: his reading of the role at the age of 35 was at its most perfect point and combined maturity of acting in, uh, with youth and beauty of voice all of which had a profound effect on the future of Italian opera. I mean, that's quite something. No yep. that's incredible. So, look, here is Chaliapin singing Boris's death uh, from the opera Boris.
1: Like a Morrissey song, okay. you know, Margaret on a guillotine, <laughs> Boris's death, nothing to do with uh, Mr. Johnson. Um, so, so there,
0: there we go, there we go. The so
1: relationship sort of gathers speed from 1910, doesn't it? When when the gramophone company, who are beginning to have great success around the world, secure a long term deal with Chalypan, yes, it's, um, it's quite which, a which I think Fred negotiates. It's yeah. quite
0: a contract. I, we've got the details, the terms yeah. here of the of the contract, and and bear in mind, in the 10 years since they first. Discovered him to now, the industry has taken off. Something yeah. chronic, and yeah. it's now it's now big business.
1: It's the first boom of the record industry. It's the first the boom,
0: Dave. It really is boom, boom. Um, so here are the details of his contract. Uh, he gets an advance in the first year of three thousand pounds for fifteen records.
1: So three thousand. If you think when Car- they signed Caruso for one hundred pounds oh, for ten t- yes. sides, he's getting.
0: 3,000 for 15.
1: 30 times that for Amazing. 15 signs. Yeah.
0: Um, after the sale of every 1,000 of each title, he gets a royalty of 1.8 R, which is a must be. Ruble. Yeah. If Chalipan is asked to make more than 15 records, then the company pays him 2,000 rubles for each one. In addition? In addition. Ah, so that's
1: 30 times 15. Yeah, so he's getting a, basically a 2,000-out a yeah. advance on each.
0: And he will sing in the year 1911-12 uh, a further 10 selections quote-unquote, not in Russian, um, all on 12-inch discs for an advance of 15,000 rubles on a royalty rate of one ruble per record. So that's, that's a side that's thing. A side, that's a side
1: interesting that's in rubles, and the Russian songs are in...
0: They're in, panels. yeah. So, look, that's a pretty comprehensive contract. And you won't be surprised to hear that the night they signed it, they had a bit of a party.
1: Yeah, and this becomes a theme in Fred's uh, relationship with Shalyapan.
0: Um, the, the negotiations, by the way, were unnecessarily protracted. Because of Shalipan, um, being quite jealous of, of other artists. Yeah. So he he obviously pushed on. But the night of um, the night of the signing, this is Fred again. I remember on the night that he signed his contract, he invited us to a party at Yar's restaurant. Do we know we're in St Petersburg? Are we? is that where they signed it? Do we think?
1: Um. Ooh, 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 anyway, ooh. they're in
0: Yar's restaurant, and they engaged the largest chambre séparée, so the the largest private dining room, with his cronies from the chorus. Shalipan sang Russian and Gypsy songs the whole night through. Uh, it was a tireless night. No women were present, and Chalyopan was happy as a schoolboy. So they just drank vodka, didn't they? I mean, and it they, sounds and like they just a... bashed the table and, yeah. and, and got ripped A and night me. at the rugby club, it, it sounds like. It you know, it's a
1: very sort of male, simple it male. It really is. Shout, drink, let no, yourself down. No women,
0: you of. lots of bawdy singing. There you go. So in autumn 2010, Fred goes back to Russia to start recording Chaliapan. And I think it's safe to say... It was a bit of a nightmare.
1: Yeah. But interestingly, the, the, one of the books that we um, refer to a lot is, is is the biography of Fred Geisberg by a guy called Gerald Northrop Moore. And he did various um, versions of this biography o- over the years, and they changed titles. Um, an earlier one that I've got is match Matter of Records, and the, the ones we're looking at at the moment is Sound Revolutions that was published in the 90s. But Northrop Moore says that um, Fred returned to Russia in 1910 and Shalyapan, Sh- and Fyodor Ivanovich, greeted him like a long-lost little brother and then proceeded to appropriate Fred as though he was some diminutive but essential article of personal property, <laughs> which you can imagine Fred is five foot two and this guy's a giant at six foot three you can and just kind of... built like an outhouse. Yeah.
0: Um, Fred says of him, he never made a gramophone record winningly. Um, he had to be coerced and almost kidnapped. He went to the grave without discovering the most um, favourable hour of the 24 in which to record. Eventually, I learned it was useless to call a chalypan session before 8 in the evening or even later. Before that time... These are, these are like rock, you know, yeah, yeah, this is, rock star this is, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. recording sessions. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Before this time, his big voice or frame was not tuned up. Um, but to assemble the musicians before that time meant they would get on each other's nerves. I mean, it really does sound like a complete disaster. There were coughs, grunts, scales and sque- squeals. Sometimes there was a fight.
1: There's, there's a brilliant bit where, where this is again from Fred's, Fred's memoirs. He says, Chalipan's first recording session is an unforgettable memory. We persuaded him to enter the waiting sleigh. So the, it's, it's snowy. It's autumn in, um, nice detail. in Russia. And when when he entered the recording room, he was greeted boisterously by the choir and orchestra who had been patiently waiting for some hours. This is the the bit I love. His chest stripped bare, like a prize fighter, he starts the recording. As on stage and everywhere else, he takes full direction of orchestra and laboratory. Laboratory is the studio. Um, When he stands before the trumpet and expands that great chest of it, and at 10 yards... Ten yards range attacks the recording diaphragm. The chances are the recording expert, i.e., the engineer behind, will be overwhelmed by a great and sudden fear for his delicate recording diaphragm.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. Um, all worthwhile records were rushed in the last twenty minutes of a session, so sort of hurry up and wait, wasn't it? Yeah. And then nothing. And then uh, when the conductor and instrumentalists uh, were tamed to zero. And Shaliyopan had sandpapered his voice to a flexible velvet tone. <laughs> um, again, the partying carried on. Well, this is, again, at the end of that this first is session, we, isn't it? We worked on one record, uh, well, sorry, one record after another until one in the morning. His pleasure was so great that he invited the choir and myself to finish the evening at the Strielke restaurant, listening to its gypsy choir. Quite a lot of gypsy choirs here, aren't there? Uh, this entailed hiring six sleighs or more and undertaking him an hour's journey over the hard frozen snow, through the biting Russian night
1: winds. Sounds fantastic! I bet it's, there's a bottle of furs yeah, and a bottle yeah, of yeah, vodka yeah, and, yeah, yeah. in. And in him to hold, holding
0: court in the yeah. back of his sleigh. Um, how wonderful.
1: Yeah, he says, On arriving at the Strielka, we were received with a noisy welcome and the show literally began all over again with Chaliapin standing in the midst of the performers, singing and conducting the, the combined choirs of the nomadic gypsies and the members of the Royal Opera House choir who had come with us. So they're all at this 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 dinner. Several hours passed in hilarious music making, Chaliapin was truly in his element.
0: Now, should we have a bit more music? Yeah. This is called Song of the Flea by Chaliapin. There you go, Song of the Flea by Charlie Powell. What a voice, though.
1: What a voice, yeah. I mean, he's a big, strong, commanding.
0: I wouldn't call it velvety.
1: No, it doesn't sound too sandpaper to me. It then <laughs> no. that right before. You never know. <laughs> well,
0: exactly. So, where are we? So, we're now 1910. Well,
1: they've now established they've got a long term relationship. Um, Chaliapin is making records in Russian and English. Um, Fred makes a lot of them with him. The relationship's sort of settled. In fact, they they, they kind of um, go from strength to strength. There is a spectre looming in the future, which is World War One.
0: But before that, they're in London, aren't they, together?
1: They're in London. So in 1913, Chaliapin comes over to do uh, some recording in London, but he's also there to open the new recording studios in Hayes.
0: Yes, so the gramophone company, not only have they outgrown Maiden Lane, they've outgrown their second studio on City Road. City Road, yeah, which they moved to 1902. Which they moved to 1902. This is
1: 11 years later, and And they've moved the whole... All operations into onto what would be called these days a campus manufacturing, including pressing, the manufacturing, exactly, which has now been turned
0: into luxury flats. You know, called the it's vinyl, the vinyl factory. The vinyl factory. Yes, it's an amazing complex. Yeah. I'm really glad they haven't knocked it down. Mm. Um, they so, really draw on a lot of this history and heritage. They do. Yeah. Um, so they kept Chaliapan to go out to Hayes to open and he looked. Loves- <laughs>
1: Blended.
0: There's a picture, isn't there? We'll, we'll put this on the on the on the internet. There's a yeah. picture of all the gramophone company uh, suits yeah. uh, outside the factory, and and then <laughs> Pan next to them. Describe him, Dave. Well, he,
1: he's 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 wearing um, a, a top hat, a grey top hat with a black band, an overcoat, a, a long black suit, a coloured waistcoat. Of some some description. It's a black and white photo, so I can't see what, but a light waistcoat. Um, one of those high Edwardian collars with a bow tie, a, a cane with a, what, a tipped cane, and some very shiny black spats, possibly. There's, spats. There's, yeah, they look like spats. They to are, me. they do look like spats. He and he's I mean, quite the, quite the card.
0: He's sort of half dandy, half prop forward.
1: But he also looks, yeah, with that cane, he looks like he could, there's a bit of, a, uh, Bill Sykes out of, um, Oliver. Yes. You know, he looks, there's something exactly. tough about him. So he's standing on one side of the picture at six foot three.
0: And with Probably his top bit hat, more. it looks even taller, doesn't top it? Top hat, it
1: looks almost seven foot. And then on the far end of the two Geisberg brothers, and I, 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 you know, Fred is five foot two. I think his brother, Will, who's next to him, who looks a little bit like a roly-poly, slightly balder version of, of Fred. <laughs> he looks like he's struggling to touch five foot. So they they really do look um,
0: a contrast. It's a wonderful picture. But Chalepan's in Britain. There's a sort of festival, isn't there, of Russian opera and ballet in London. Yeah. And the cream of the Russian singers are over um, including himself, obviously. So the gramophone company sign him to an additional contract yeah. because he's in town. And Fred and him, their sort of friendship develops. They spend a lot of time together. And Fred, Fred has a wonderful account of what they get up to because Chalipan's songs are quite dense and nearly all of them, says Fred, dealt with drama, tragedy and unrequited love, which might want to, be, might lead one to believe that Chalipan was an apostle of gloom. On the contrary, says Fred, his normal mood was boyish exuberance. And only two things could depress him, which were to be in a a bad voice on days when he had to sing and being crossed by conductors or stage managers. Hmm. Um, Of course, he had to have his own way, says Fred. But so many little things could make him as happy as a child, such as a new necktie, a fine painting, a well-grilled chop.
1: (sighs) A well-grilled chop.
0: A well-grilled chop, a good London smoked salmon or a fine bit of cheddar. I <laughs> um, love that. A fine bit of <laughs> He was a joy to a chef or to a good tailor. He was inordinately fond of clothes. Now remember, this is the man who grew up in poverty. the middle Absolutely of nowhere with nothing. Um, and when he arrived in London in 1913, he bought himself an Ascot gray high hi-hat and outfit to match. That might be we, what, he's which what he was wearing. Yes. The, um, yeah. We walked from the Hatters to Drury Lane. He watched his reflection in shop windows. <laughs> Oh, we've all done that. We've all, of course. He arrived somewhat late at the theatre and we had to hurry over his dressing. I mean, this was... this. Ah, what yeah. a, lovely, what remember, a lovely detail. I
1: remember um, reading an interview with Julian Cope of Teardrop Explodes, enemy yeah. and he was asked what his favourite thing to do and it was to walk along and see his reflection in car windows <laughs> from
0: 1980. There you nothing go. Changes no, nothing changes. Nothing changes. However, when he, when he hit the stage, he could be... He, a sort of dark mood could mm. descend, couldn't it, Dave? I wonder if you. A few times he has difficulty
1: getting on stage. I wonder if he suffers from the nerves more than most. He might be drunk.
0: Um, it could be that. So he did a he did a command performance in front of the yeah. royal family, didn't he? And it ended quite badly. So this was 1913. Yeah, I f- believe it's at the Royal Opera House, and he's singing Boris Boris Gudenov, which is the full name of the of the opera. And oh. he does a scene without the chorus. Um, That's the, because right, they, because
1: the, mu- the the backing musicians have gone on strike The backing musicians have Yes, yeah, so, so he has to go out and do the performance on his own And he, he comes backstage and he's absolutely
0: yeah, and furious He's furious because he had to hold the stage on his own And he remonstrates with the ringleader who argues back Which is a bit of a mistake probably to argue with a six foot three so Russian Fred says,
1: I saw Chaliapan strike him one blow which completely knocked him out. With that, the choristers threw themselves on Chalipa, like Gulliver with all the little people, um, and bore him to the ground. They would have mauled him badly if the mezzo soprano That's a woman, Petrenko, had not covered him with her body so she's laid herself over the top of him finally i and the stagehands were able to draw him into his dressing room and lock the door how it all ended after this serious interruption i'm not quite sure but i remember thomas beecham's treasurers arriving with a sack of gold and passing out a gold sovereign to each chorister after which the show continued they got them back on stage so
0: there's a massive brawl backstage as the royal family sit in the in the box yeah this is ah. do we believe this yeah yeah why not yeah. let's believe it it's let's a good completely story. believe it. um those russian choristers were were, un, were an unruly crowd rather spoiled by success and steeped in revolution even, <laughs> even then. then this is four years <laughs> before the revolution they and Chalupan had many tilts so well, he's, he's a prima donna isn't he yeah, really
1: he's a prima donna but you know he's clearly a, a rooster doister as well yeah, he settles in he has a as we said the summer of 1913 but he also has the summer of 1914 he um Uh, The early summer. So he spends quite a lot of time in the UK between those two points. Um, He was a good mimic. He was good at
0: telling stories. He could sit up and drink and chat round a table till seven in the morning. Yeah. So this is all great. This is a wonderful story. This is a very touching story. But then, as Dave hinted at, look at the year. It's 1913. He he comes back the following summer, 1914, for a similar season. And then, once he's sung, he takes his family on a motor tour of Europe. Yes. And Fred's kissed him goodbye at that point. They've jumped then, in the car, off they go.
1: And then a few weeks later, in August, coming home one evening, I found the, this is Fred, I found the entire Chaliapan family assembled in my drawing room. Motor and trunks confiscated as they toured Europe. They were now refugees.
0: Tr- that's, that's luggage rather
1: than yeah, tr- The trunk will be, yeah, luggage. Obviously. So that the family are back in England. Their car and their luggage is, is somewhere in Europe. Because and the Germans
0: have invaded. The right? Germans,
1: the war started yeah. and they were driving around France and, <laughs> and anyway, they've managed to make it back to London and they are staying with him. I think they stay with him for a night or two and then they get the train up to Newcastle
0: to travel back to get a boat through the Baltic back to um, St. Petersburg. Why, why would they go to St. Petersburg? I'm, I'm slightly unclear why they'd want to go back. Well, I guess the war is not happening in Russia. It's happening. Yeah, Russia's, they want to get back to their home. I would have thought at that point. So they're sitting in his, and the war has a funny effect on Chalipan, And this is what this is where it gets quite serious. Mm. Before the outbreak of war, he he'd accepted an advance to sing at the Chicago Opera House the following year, 1915. That's right. And they paid him in advance of 150 thousand dollars, which um, the internet tells me is today worth. million dollars yeah he's that big a star so he's that big a star and he's that much in demand which tells you an awful lot anyway but he'd sent the money back to a bank in st petersburg maybe that's why he's going back to st petersburg well well, there you go (laughs) and of course he wondered if he would ever see any of that money again Mm. which is terribly sad obviously
1: yeah
0: so the world has changed in an instant with the outbreak of war fred
1: actually pops over to russia a couple of times during the war doesn't no, no record of him meeting, um, Chalipan, but he does make records over
0: there. He does, but, but Fred's had to, Fred's put up in Chalipan's house because the government have, have commandeered, requisitioned, uh, all the hotels. Ah. Huh. When Fred's over there. Um, and th- there's quite a touching account of their, of their friendships. They still eat in restaurants, obviously, because this is Fred and Chalipan. Um, his family were truly happy and cheered to see me, which is very nice, isn't it? having given up, this is his family, all hope of setting eyes on anyone from the outer world until after the war. Proper friendship. I'm, I'm mm. surprised Fred goes out there, actually.
1: Mm. Well, he goes through there more than once. Um, I guess it all changes in 1917 when the, when the revolution kicks in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the revolution doesn't do um, our friend Chaliapan much good. Um, it doesn't at all. So there's a bit
0: of a lull in their relationship, yeah. obviously. The, um, the ne-
1: next time we, we hear of them is in 1919. Um, and he gets a, Fred gets a letter from a surprising famous person.
0: From H.G. Wells. Yes. He of, of the Time Machine and the War of the Worlds.
1: Yeah, so he, he'd he been invited to Russia by the communists to observe the success of revolution in 1919 and was a guest at the home of Chaliapin in Petrograd. It was used to be St. Petersburg. Which was St. Petersburg. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Now, I know that Fred was friends with H.G. Wells. Oh, was he? Yeah, but whether, that. whether that friendship stemmed from this or they were mm. friends before, I don't know. But well, Wells gets asked to give a letter to Fred, doesn't he? Yeah. In which Chalyapan says, I'm going to go, I'm going to try and, try and escape Russia. So look out for further letters from me because I'm going to need your help. Yeah. Further, further letters
1: do come. Further communications do come. And he's managed to persuade the Soviet authorities that, um, he could go across to Western Europe or America, I think it is, to record concerts, um, for the Famine Relief Fund, which, which I think, I think was an American originated fund, wasn't it? To, to help the Russian r- famine. Relief to the Russian peasants. And yeah,
0: yeah. So, Chalopan suggests they meet in Riga in Latvia and then Fred can kind of smuggle him out. Yeah. I mean, this, this, this has gone from, from a story about recording music to a sort of covert He's almost Spying like an undercover. Operation. Spy, I mean, yeah. this, 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 this is, this is extraordinary. And we hear this through time. I mean, there's that wonderful podcast series called Winds of Change about how the Scorpions wrote Winds of, Winds of Change at the behest of the CIA. Yeah. This is almost similar. It's using music as a cover to escape a political yeah. or to change a political situation. How yeah. interesting. And so he meets
1: him, doesn't he? And he's, he's quite changed. If you remember the damnedy in the, um, in the fine gear, Fred says that he, we met in the early days of September. This is September. 1921. So he got the letter from HG Wells in 1919. It's two years later now when he's making his escape. Chalipan's wardrobe was in rags and tatters and he looked most forlorn in his threadbare clothes, his world in ruins, bewildered and stunned. I saw a very humble Chalipan laying plans to rebuild his world in foreign lands at the age of 50. He told me how all his possessions had been taken from him by the government and the money I was able to hand over to him at that point representing the royalties earned and his records during the war period and beyond, comprised his entire capital on which to start life over again.
0: This is insane, because Chalipan also described how instead of rubles, which everyone scorned because currency had disappeared as a meaningful currency, um, he demanded his payment in... Flour, potatoes, bacon, and butter. Now, this is a man who just months before, sorry, years before, was I mean, paid nearly $4 million to sing yeah. in Chicago. And he's now living in rags like and being yeah. paid in spuds. How extraordinary. But but the, the reason Fred is allowed to meet him and take him away is because he's used the gramophone company, hasn't yeah. he, as a, as a kind of means to do that, almost as a cover. But it's helped diplomatically with all the mm-hmm. doors he's had to open that he's had the heft of the gramophone company behind him. Yeah. So the company has that much political capital that he can use it. And the other
1: interesting thing is the power of intellectual property that's coming from this. Because while Chaliapin's not been able to work, his records have been working for him, and so Fred can hand over a big bag of gold from for the royalties he's earned while he's while he's been incarcerated in in Russia.
0: Yeah. And And so um, the government tried to get him to do propaganda operas years he spent there, but he refused didn't he refused
1: yeah that's probably why he's eating potatoes
0: (laughs) there you go how amazing so fred um smuggles him out gets him back to russia Uh, back to london London sorry and he does his first
1: concerts post-revolutionary concerts um but what is delightful is is fred spends time with him while he's just enjoying life his old life back again
0: suddenly it comes back doesn't it yeah
1: he said, I, I shall never forget, this. this is Fred talking, I shall never forget the simple pleasure Chalia took in studying the types and characters of the down and outs that we enc- encountered on our midnight strolls on the embankment or his delight in the homely food at the coffee stalls and the shelters of the taxi drivers. You know, like those green yes. shelters that yes. you still see around London, some of which do serve food. In fact, we had a cup of coffee at one before we...
0: Yes, we did, before we met Joe, Joe Boyd. Joe Boys last series,
1: yeah. He had a theory that where the taxi drivers ate... There one would get the tastiest food. Sometimes he was right.
0: Brilliant. Do you want
1: to read the next one? Yeah, bit, he, bag- spent, he spent a great he's got deal his of money time. Bag. He's
0: got his money. He spent a great deal of time with evident delight in the Savile Row tailor's shops where he replenished his wardrobe spending close to £400. Now, bear in mind, as he said, you know, he was trading in butter and potatoes months before. And this um, would be ten well, grand, twenty uh, grand these days. Uh, arriving in post-war London w- w- was a balm to his despairing soul. And he sold out the Albert Hall. Yeah. I mean talk about regs through i mean it would slightly mess with your head wouldn't it um anyway back on salvo row he insisted on insisted on fraternizing with the cutters and fitters and toasted them with champagne yeah. on the day of the final fitting telling them how he honored an artisan who took pride in his work
1: yeah he, he sort of becomes quite needy at this point shall we, pan? and pan Fre- and fred is m- much more than just a a recording engineer, much more than a friend actually almost becomes like a manager with him, yeah, because that autumn um challipan 's been invited to go over to uh, record some sh- uh, record perform in in the states on tour, and he begs Fred to go over with him which which Fred probably says speaks volumes for his standing in the gramophone company because he, he says he gets permission to go and do it. I don't think there's anything for it for the gramophone company in this other than the yeah. close relationship with their star performer. Um, and on the boat over he he encounters some wonderful people. Are you looking to play a bit of music before I was just we get on the Just
0: before we get on the boat, when he played the Albert Hall, he he had this sort of slightly new repertoire of English English songs or or, or Russian songs that were more attractive to the to the British palate, let's say. One of them is called the Persian Love Song. And this went down a storm, apparently. I'm going to play a snippet of that and then a tiny snippet of a song called Two Grenadiers, which also went down extremely well in the album. So this is Persian Love Song. And here is Two Grenadiers. time for a chat with michael volpe the youthful looking extremely youthful um founder of opera holland park um recently retired michael thanks for 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 being here Uh, theodore Chelyapin. it's not past your bedtime is it michael you you being so young (laughs) yeah yeah. yeah. this is great we should do
2: a podcast all about me (laughs) yeah we should how would you describe that voice Oh, well, I mean, from the... Rec- uh, remarkable, really, yeah. Um, uh, and I imagine in the flesh, it was huge. Yeah, because it's that bass
0: voice in opera. W- yeah. What kind of qualities do you look for in a bass voice in opera? And what are the typical
2: roles? Well, the bass voice is the lowest of the voice types, if I'm preaching to the con- entirely unconverted. <laughs> uh, uh, it's often divided into certain types. So you have like basso buffo, the, the kind of funny and the basso profondo, the dramatic bass. And like all types... A voice, a bass will have a, a, a wider range. So, um, they can, for example, bring that kind of underpinning weight and support, uh, to higher notes. And when that happens in the bass voice, it's hugely thrilling and visceral. Um, uh, basses are often bad guys. Yeah. In fact, that makes very sense, yeah. often they are the bad guys. Their performances are frequently described as uh, sepulchral. Oh, yes, good word. Or sinister. They sing all the the big godlike roles, you know, like Wotan in Wagner's Ring. And they often sing bad kings or assassins. (laughs) A couple of my favorite operas have got basses who are bad kings or bad fathers. And two of them are blind, interestingly. So, I mean. Yeah, they get kind of, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, La More de Tre Rey, in case you're wondering, that opera is by Monty Metz. It's my favorite <laughs> opera. And it features a blind king who still manages to murder her with his hands because she gets too close. I, I
1: could imagine Chalipan playing a baddie. Oh, I mean, certainly. He's, um, oh goodness me. Yeah. We've got a couple of stories of him rolling around with, with, um, the guys who work behind court, stage uh, having yeah. a fight with them and it's just brilliant you know clearly they're often big lad. fellas like Though he was yeah, a,
0: he was a rugby player or american football well, player but he looked like a number Disco- 8 at rugby really 6 foot 3, yeah. three. Yeah. As a, uh, a bit yeah. like a
2: what's it yeah, yeah. got the chest cavity yeah. um and also you have bases who sing roles like leperello and don giovanni okay. and don pasquale or doctor bartolo in barbara seville they're sort of figures of fun but a dramatic bass in the flesh can really be a, a force of nature do you think his voice would stand up today as a great voice if he yeah, was performing yeah, certainly today? i think really? yeah i mean i never heard, you know i never heard him in the flesh but from the even from these recordings because you're so young michael indeed <laughs> uh I've, that, that was a known goal you had to knock that <laughs> one yeah, in. yeah i mean my i my first i, I bought my first record on a on an mp3 i think yeah absolutely certainly he uh, he, he had a a hell of a a voice yeah and what stands out with him and other great bases is 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 his refusal to just bellow the notes i mean this is really quite an important thing for me you know bass and bass baritones who play bad guys often sort of don't sing it you know and even the bad guys get gorgeous music to sing in fact often some of the most gorgeous music and it's that juxtaposition that makes you feel so uncomfortable sometimes but what a lot of basses and bass do, they kind of add a sneer in the voice and it it just kind of sounds a bit preposterous at times and it and it loses the beauty a good example actually of, of really singing is would be someone like Sir John Tomlinson who who, you know uh, can you describe how, what, how he well he how sings he I mean he he has this enormous and beautiful voice but he he doesn't just kind of bark and yeah. bellow and yeah. say i'm a bad guy he sings beautifully it's a beautiful thing and and it, you know and i think that all good exponents of the bass or bass baritone are it. i always remember seeing um i mean scarpia in tosca is a very good example of where you'll often go they all sort of sneering away yeah. and it brings this kind of strangle and and actually you know i was we did it in 2008 and it was a hugely praised production and, and, and the Scarpia who sang it, um, Nick Garrett was, he doesn't have a huge voice. It's not an enormous sound. And for the first time, I think I'd really heard Scarpia sung, you know, it it was sung and not barked and bellowed. and I'm the big bad police chief, you know, who's going to rape the heroin. You know, I mean, it was, I mean, he still was that, but he—he's. You got the person, but in the, what yeah. it did is actually it showed that in Tosca, you know, there's this big debate over the years that does Tosca actually fancy Scarpia, and is that why she kills him because of all of her Catholic guilt? Well, I absolutely hold to that theory, and the reason I do, and and it's for me, it's obvious, is in the in Act One when he first they first sort of performed together, there is beautiful love music between scarpia and tosca and i think puccini was encouraging us to consider this and nick sang this beautifully and i sort of it was almost like a revelation i Mm. thought i knew the opera note for note but i never really picked that up you know so i think that that's the kind of example i'm talking about is that Mm. when you play a big bad guy you know you you kind of march around you want volume and heft and Mm. you want to impose your voice on the production and on the audience which is which is fine but sing it as well and i think the best and that i think is what chalipan he would have been a good scott basically well yeah i mean he it's a lovely voice as well as a big voice and i think that's important and he he kind of knew that
0: You can see why the Brits would have been fascinated by him, post-revolution, post-war. Mm. He was almost a, a sort of curio, wasn't he? A, bit, he, a talented
1: curio. Yeah. And he, he takes this boat over. I, 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 and it's a bit of a celeb-filled boat, I <laughs> yes. think. So um,
0: they go to America. On the boat are his old pal H.G. Wells. Yeah, of course. Coincidentally,
1: he's on. Yeah, do to go with him. Yeah. Um,
0: Richard Strauss, the composer.
1: Who did um, the music from 2001, the movie. Thus spoke Zarathustra, and I think.
0: Elizabeth Schumann, the, the, the very famous singer, singer, singer. yeah, um, who who
1: who was with Strauss. So Strauss and Schumann together, and Strauss also had his son on board. In fact, there's a picture, isn't there, of um, who? Again, we'll put on the website. Um, Richard Strauss. They're all looking different directions. Richard Strauss looks to his left. H.G. Wills looks straight on. Uh, Shalipan, Sh- towering, looks to his right. Elizabeth Schumann looks to her right, extreme right. And Strauss's son is staring straight at the camera of Geisberg. So Geisberg's taking this picture. And I suspect what's happening is they, 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 the people on board the boat are all aware of these celebrities. Yeah, and they, yeah, they're, and they've... they're standing for photos for several people and they're all looking at different cameras. Um, but they're on the. You can see the ocean behind them and the, the side it's of the a boat wonderful that they're leaning picture. against.
0: But uh, remember, Charlie, hes still sort of shattered and nervous by by what he's been through. Yeah. And yet, suddenly, on the, in this kind of extraordinary, sort of um, very high-profile life, surrounded by very famous people, they play a lot of um, poker on the boat. Oh, there's
1: a lovely story about the poker, isn't it? Because picture was it isn't Richard Strauss really tight with money? Or Richard Strauss,
0: really apparently, quite boring. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and the smoking room on the boat. Uh, where they played poker and uh, it would rock with laughter led by the boisterous Charlie Pan. Strauss was not witty, but he has a sense of humor. I'm sorry. I impugned him. He has a sense of humor. Yeah. And when he laughs, his nose goes white <laughs> and this would set them all off laughing again.
1: <laughs> and then Elizabeth, who's with Sh- Strauss. I don't know if that means anything. That's very more loaded than, with. Well, maybe I'm being scurrilous and, and, and unfair. Anyway, she's, she's, she would contribute to our hilarity by disclosing her odd gift of imitating bird calls without moving a muscle of her roguish face so that it was almost impossible for the hearer to trace the source of the sound. If she had not laughed, we should have persisted in thinking there were canaries in the salon.
0: (laughs) Well, that's that's one way to keep yourself occupied. I mean, pretty internet, Dave. I mean, you know...
1: Oh, hang on, hang on, there's a recording thing here. So a few years later, much against Schumann's will, I utilised this gift of mimicry and made her record Zella's Vietnamese Nightingale song in which she whistles the refrain. That's brilliant. Good, Good old friend, always an opportunity to record.
0: So they arrive in New York. They are besieged by newspapers, which is probably when this photo um, is taken, Dave. They're all asking for pics um, of the celebrities. And also Charlie Pan's opinions of the situation in Russia.
1: Because they wouldn't have – Americans wouldn't have heard too much out of Russia. No, This is is still three or four years after the revolution Um, and chaos is going on there.
0: And he very cleverly avoided talking about it, as he would. So they're in New York – A few singing engagements, haven't they? Yeah,
1: but Um, he he starts cancelling them, doesn't he? He has he has a problem with his um, voice, and the first concert is cancelled. Then it's rearranged. Yes, Yes.
0: Uh, and he's staying at the Waldorf Astoria. They think it's laryngitis, don't they? Yeah, they think he's got laryngitis. But they've sold the tickets. The place is yeah. sold out. You yeah. know, this this is a big deal. This is a global singing sensation.
1: Why don't you do that? the bit about the scene is Chalipan's so, bedroom? Yeah, they're,
0: they're, they're basically... He's half an hour in his bedroom at the Waldorf before he's due to um, sing for the first time. This was the first night. Yeah. His post-war debut in New York. Um, and he's surrounded by the producers, um, Solomon Hurrick and Frederick Copicus, who put this show on and probably stands to lose an awful lot of money yeah. if he doesn't perform and make an awful lot of he does. And the air is charged with anxiety, Fred says. Uh, Chalipan and his laryngoscope, laryngoscope, which is clearly some kind some of device, to, yeah, um, seated in his chimney before a mirror, is inviting us to look down the instrument to convince ourselves that those inflamed spots on his vocal cords make it impossible for him to sing. The concert has already been postponed twice on account of the laryngitis, and the two American impresarios Desperately wringing their hands, saying they will be ruined by another cancellation, begging him to go to, and do the concerts, um, if only to apologise to the audience. Because maybe, because now these days, if a gig is cancelled, yeah. if you get a partial performance, um, you You'd don't have get to your money back. back. Maybe that's because what they're exactly, saying. Maybe that's what it is. Boys? Yeah. And of course, there's huge debate as what constitutes a partial yeah, yeah. performance. But if he turns up on stage and actually delivers something, maybe yeah. they can say, "Nope, he, you, you he performed. performed." Yeah.
1: He but what I love that he, he's he's. Fred describes him, and it's 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 wonderfully theatrical. Shalyapan in despair threw himself on the bed. Threw and, himself. Can you a, imagine a
0: man of that height just
1: yeah. throwing himself? Like <laughs> Violet Elizabeth bot. Um, and moaned, Borga, 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 what have I done to deserve this? He paced the room, knocking his head on the wall, and again cried to God, why should I be so punished? Then suddenly Nikolai, his little Russian valet, said... Fyodor Ivanovich, go to the concert. God will give you th- back your voice when the moment comes. Chaliapin stopped short and with a look of scorn at his valet said, what in the hell has God got to do with my voice? <laughs> Blimey. Already past the hour of commencement of the concert when we made a combined effort and started to dress him in spite of his continued resistance. God,
0: they're really trying to chipping yeah, him on. Too. I
1: put on his socks and tied up his boots. Horroke tied his tie and we dragged the protesting giant. They're all little people <laughs> the dragging giant downstairs, thrust him into a taxi and started him for the Manhattan Opera House.
0: me. So they got to the stage door. There's a huge commotion because it's sold out. Loads, of, a restless audience. And they enter the backstage, uh, the, the, the dressing room. And there's a ballerina called Anna Pavlova who's waiting in there and she throws herself on Chalipan and they cry together. She and <laughs> she the gracious sympathy of his plight. Chalipan then tries to beg the doctor to go and announce that he's... His voice isn't good, yeah. Well, no, that he was going to appear. Yeah. Although his voice, his septic voice might make it impossible to sing.
1: But, but nobody will do the, but then the, the, the. go on stage and make the announcement. Nobody will they? They
0: do it. So poor old Fred...
1: Yeah, the, I think
0: everybody's, you know, there's that
1: classic, everybody stepped back a pace, and the only person who hadn't stepped back was Fred, so he's effectively stepped forward, and they went, Good you old go F- on you stage. Do it, Fred.
0: Good old Fred, so he stands in the middle of the stage with the curtain down, and he can hear the crowd baying, <laughs> the audience screaming on the other side. The curtain opens, and he says, it looks like a lion's den. There was a hushed silence, closing his eyes. Fred cried out his apologies, um, uh, uh, saying Chalyopan can't do it, and asked for the indulgence of the audience. There was a great roar as I retreated to the wings. Poor old Fred. Yeah. But so he- but, as he does this, and as a full-scale riot is about to ensue, Chalyopan strode forth, followed by his accompanist. And for the next five minutes, the cheering was continuous. Uh, through his superb acting, He made it plain that he was suffering and he even produced tears to win the sympathy of the public. (laughs) Then, and this is brilliant, then he literally barked out in that sick voice five songs. It was indeed a pitiful performance but the audience (laughs)
1: had to be satisfied as there was certainly to be no money returned.
0: It's back to your point. It's a partial performance. Everyone's a winner, really. So what do you do after you... What do you do? What what do you do? You've sort of... Stops a riot effectively. So, Fred and Chalyopan, who, by the way, is quite ill by all accounts, they. But not so ill, he can't they, go out. They flee the theatre to a quiet Harlem speakeasy, um, where Fred does his best through the long evening to console this weeping Russian giant. They get thoroughly drunk, and the next morning, Fred hustles him down to a secluded farm in the heart of New Jersey, uh, on the outskirts of Jamesburg before reporters could find him and keep him there until his throat got better. <laughs> what a story.
1: But it, goes, it ends up being a successful tour and they come back to the UK and Chalipan's career is... Restored. Is restored. I, th- I think there's a little bit interesting, you know, he gets his family out of uh, Russia. There's something I just want to sort of raise as a... Chalipan's love life... Oh, go on. Um We should mention this. It, again, I'd probably incline towards the scurrilous, but Shalipan was married twice. So he met his first wife, who was an Italian ballerina, Iola Tonagi, in Russia, and they married. And they had six children together, including one called Boris, which must be named go. after the, the famous part. And one of the children, actually, Theodore Jr., um, became a reasonably well-known actor. A famous
0: character actor, and... You're going to have to Google him because I can't, he is in lots of, he's got a sort of gangstery face, if I can say that. He plays a lot of heavies. Yeah. As you can imagine, if your dad's a chally-pan.
1: Was he in Moonstruck? He was in Moonstruck. He's, he's the grand, the old grandfather in Moonstruck. He's hilarious. Just go and have a look at him. Fantastic. There's, there's a picture. He was also in The Name of the Rose opposite Sean Connery, I think, as a So monk. sorry,
0: more than a character. It's a very yeah, successful yes, Hollywood yes. actor. Yeah.
1: Not lead, but you know, supporting, supporting. Supporting actor. actor. Yeah. But this is the interesting thing, and, and it, it's difficult to find um, too much evidence about this on the, on the internet, but whilst married to Tanagi, Chalipan also lived with another lady, a, mod, a nine years younger, called Marina Petzold. She had two um, children from her first marriage, but she also had three children with Shalipan, and for a Quite a period of time. He's running two yeah, houses,
0: and where where are these houses? They're at, both right? in
1: Russia. I think one's in Moscow and one's in Petrograd, uh, Saint Petersburg. Petrograd, it would have been towards the end. And and then it looks like he divorces his first wife, and I'm not sure what happens to them. But then the second wife comes over
0: to live in and they live Europe. In... So Chaliapin then moves to Paris after this trip to, to 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 America, and he he remarries, doesn't he? Yes. Um, um... And with his second wife... With his second wife. They settle in Paris. They settle in Paris. Um, and he remains friends with Fred, and Fred goes to see him. But Chaliapan's health isn't great, is it?
1: Yeah, this is 1938. We're back in the um, 30s now. And uh, he goes, strange enough, uh, Fred goes with his sister. They're, they're on their way... I'm not sure that where they're going. They're going to, I think, Austria to record, and they stop off in Paris on the way. Um, and there's a lovely picture in, in um, of, of uh, Chaliapan and his wife and... Fred's sister looks, you know, we know Fred is short um, and we <laughs> know Fred's like... brother was kind of slightly roly poly. And I think she looks a like of both. she looks like a mixture of both. She looks a really jolly, jolly soul. Um, Chalipan a... doesn't look too bad there. It looks a little
0: grey. he and looks a little Faded gray. around the gills. I mean, he's been through a lot, yeah. um, but they're having tea in Paris. Unfortunately, in 38, he becomes uh, seriously ill and yeah. Fred goes to visit him. But his enthusiasm and there's this wonderful image that Fred conjures. He's lying in bed, Chaliapin, and he's clearly not a well man. But he says he 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 wants to record his favorite arias on record. And he sang, he sings for Fred, um, several scales from his from his bed just to show how fresh and supple his voice is. I have still got it. I still, still got, got it. I still got it, Fred. Yeah. Uh, sadly, it's not to be. And three years later, uh, sorry, three months later. I beg yeah. your pardon. April
1: 1938. April
0: 38. Chaliapin um, Charlie dies in Paris. And Fred goes out for the funeral and is quite overwhelmed by what happens. Thousands yeah. of Russians fill the streets, don't yeah. they?
1: Of every degree, yeah, he says. Uh,
0: there's a there's a Russian cathedral in Paris, in Rue Daru, and it over, overflows out into the streets. For six days, uh, Chalyopin lies in state, yeah. in his home, um, and a constant stream of friends and fellow countrymen and fellow artists yeah. go and pay their respects the funeral happens and there's a huge cortege
2: yeah
1: he also says interestingly <laughs> with all those with all those performers and, and
0: composers it was the most wonderful choral singing i've ever heard wow, said Fred. Lovely. everyone was profoundly moved the pre- the funeral procession travels through paris really yeah it pauses in the courtyard of the opera and a prayer for the dead is read and the choir starts singing again Yeah. fred is not ex- he, he did not expect and did not see such emotion he says by all these choristers and former colleagues and he turns to his neighbor who's a chap called um prince uh zeratelli i'm not sure which country zeratelli's from and Zer- Zerate- zeratelli just says to fred he says and is dead all is forgiven they all these people here they realize now that there will be no other like him whatever his faults for them he was russia goose pimples it he is he was he was russia, russia. And that was it. That is the story of Chalipin. An and epic a, saga.
1: Epic saga and an epic friendship. I mean, yeah. they, they've they've traveled together for 25, 30 years by that point. And yeah. they, they've been to Russia. They've experienced a revolution, a world war. They've been to America. I mean, it is. They've been to a speakeasy. The, they've got, the, they've the so grand many sweep scrapes. of history is kind of yeah.
0: scoop these two up. Lots yeah. of vodka. Lots of vodka. Lots of singing. Lots
1: of fun. Yeah, they really got on, didn't they? And they, I love the image of them. He's so big. He's and three <laughs> and, and poor old Fred's five foot nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and he's a symbol, Charlie Pan. And the great thing is these recordings still exist yeah. and they always will. And, and he wonderful. will still be Russia. Yeah,
1: he will be he will, forever Russia because be for of those um, recordings. Yeah.
0: Marvellous. Marvellous. On that note, we will say goodbye and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Bye. The Sound of the Hound was edited by Andy Hetherington. For more details on the topics discussed in this episode, visit soundofthehound.com. Or follow us on Twitter on at the sound of the H1 or on Instagram on the sound of the Hound.